Thank you for listening to this service from Calvary of Albuquerque. It's our hope that this message will help you grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Talking about submission today. Yes. Give us what your, as a wife, as a woman, what's your definition of submission? I think it's relinquishing your rights. It's not that we don't have certain rights as human beings, but sometimes we give them up, we relinquish them, generally out of honor or love, um, to reach a higher goal. Okay, that's a great definition. That's something to really chew on, which we're going to do in our message today. Um, you say that the Lord taught you about submission even before we were married. Tell us how <laughs> that happened. It's a good thing for you, isn't it? Well, I'm... <laughs> Listen. As, you, you didn't have to break me in. As President Reagan once said, <laughs> I'm a blessed man. <laughs> My father was a, instrumental. Um, before Skip and I were married, I was a part of a mission organization called Youth with a Mission. And um, I went there for a school that lasted six months. And at the end of the school, they wanted to hire me uh, to be the school secretary. However, hire meant in a mission organization. Work you for work, free. That's right. right. Work without pay. And um, so I came home to California to my dad, my parents. And um, I had already told the school, yes, I'm in. But when I got home, I realized financially it would be a big burden. And I'd have to sell my car and sell everything else and tap out the bank account. And uh, one morning I was praying, and as I was praying, it was one of those red-letter moments. Have you ever opened up your Bible and you feel like the Scripture is like God incarnate? He's it's like right. a word out of heaven right Oh, my gosh. And so I was asking him, literally, what do I do? Should I go back? I said I would. And financially, and, and here's the passage, 2 Corinthians 10. And here is my advice about what is best for you in this matter. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. And it was pretty much saying you should do what you said you were going to do. You know, whether it's financially burdensome. So you made a promise following up with the promise. That's yeah, I did. So I ran upstairs and I told my dad and I said, I'm going back to youth at the mission to be the mission secretary. And he said, no. And I thought, mm. he said, how much do they pay? Nothing. Nothing. And, and uh, so... How much does it cost? <laughs> everything. Yeah. And so uh, he said, look, I'm your father, I'm your head, and uh, if you go, you go without my blessing. So what do you do uh, then if you feel the Lord is telling you to do something in a situation like this, but your head, your father, or your husband says the other thing? Very quietly at night. Strangle them. Okay, <laughs> no, so um, I thought I should go call my spiritual leaders, the ones I had promised to go work for, Dave and Debbie Gustafson. And I said, oh my gosh, the Lord spoke to me. I have it underlined in my Bible and I've dated it and everything. And so um, they said, you know what, Lenya, you need to submit to your earthly father and let your heavenly father work. I was deflated like a helium balloon. I mean, I was so discouraged. So I went up and I said, okay, dad, I submit to you. And if I'm supposed to stay here, I will. And my father's a podiatrist. So submitting to him meant I was going back to work in his office and wash dirty feet. So it's really, really, it's really... It's a very biblical thing to do. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So um, I, you know, that's what I told him. So what happened next? 
The next morning I came down and he was reading the paper and he goes, honey, I want you to sit down. He goes, I was really troubled last night. I couldn't sleep well. And he, I kept thinking, if you think you heard God's voice and you don't obey it, then um, I'm hindering it. So you can go with my blessing, but not my financial support. If God's in it, he'll provide. Wow. That's a pretty wise thing for a dad to say, isn't it? Just yeah. like, look, I don't want to stand in the way of the Lord, but he's going to have to show you that it's his way by providing and for God you. And God showed my dad. So what, uh, what character in the Bible ministers to you most about submission? Sarah, because twice her husband asked her to do something very difficult. Say, you're my sister, not my wife. Twice a king and a pharaoh take her into a harem and twice Abraham gets spanked and told why did you lie to me so she trusted God even more than she trusted her husband to take care of things and the Lord did ultimately deliver her both times so what finally what you say to gals who may have a problem in a marriage with the issue of submission gals let go of the rope don't have a tug of war with your husband if you let go god will take hold and uh, they won't be able to wrestle with god Mm. okay thank you lenya see you at the tug of war afterwards (laughs) just kidding this morning would you turn in your bibles to the book of ephesians chapter 5 Ephesians 5. Shall we pray? Oh, Lord. We're dealing with the issue that we deal with today. It's not easy. But, Father, just us being in this room at this time is an act of submission of sorts. We have made a decision to leave our home, to get in our cars, to come here, and to submit in our time, with our hearing, engaging our bodies as well as our souls to listen to what you would say to us through the Word of God. Furthermore, sitting and listening through the entire message that we might apply and obey is yet another act of submission. Lord, we pray that you'd help us. Help us to hear, help us to implement, and help us to course correct if that needs to happen. We would see this as an appointment where you're tweaking our future. And we pray that you'd help us do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, there's some words that when you hear them, they're harder to hear than other words. I could come up with a list to begin with, and I did. You could add to these on your own. Words like death, hell, depression, recession, um, layoff, words like foreclosure, divorce, cancer, inoperable, infertile, loneliness, paralyzed, sin, war, breakup. Those words are hard words to hear. Because when we hear those words, they imply a certain amount of pain, bias, injustice, and fear. 
But let me suggest another word that is also hard to hear, and it's the word submit. It's a six-letter word. To many, it's a four-letter word. In fact, to some couples, it's the hardest word in their relational vocabulary. I saw a cartoon where a pastor was preaching behind a specially built pulpit, a large stone wall with gun turrets were his pulpit. And he was peering out behind between the little crevasses in the gun turret. And he said, my text today is Ephesians 5.22, wives submit to your husbands. You notice I have no such wall. It's because I believe that at the end of this message, you're going to understand and you're going to actually see this as something good. You're going to love this idea. That which is The hardest word you'll see as the healthiest word. So we're in chapter 5 of Ephesians. You brought a copy of the scriptures, I trust. And here's what um, I have noticed about this section. Most people begin the section of Paul dealing with marriage in chapter 5, verse 22. And it's because it says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. So they assume that's where it begins. And I've also discovered that many men have this verse memorized. It's their life verse. Uh, They may not know a lick of Scripture, but this is embedded. They know it in several translations. They even know it in the original Greek. Well, that's unfair relationally, and it also happens to be out of context biblically. Because the thought of submission in verse 22 doesn't begin in verse 22. It begins in verse 21. That's where the thought is introduced in verse 21, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Not only that, but if we step back to verse 21, we really have to step back to verse 18 because grammatically that's where the thought begins. In this section, and I won't spend much time on this, verse 18 has two imperatives or two commands. The two commands, one says, don't do this, but do this. The two commands are followed by four present participles in the Greek. I just want you to notice them and then we'll get past this. Speaking is one, verse 19. Singing is number two, verse 19. Giving, verse 20. And then number four, submitting. Those are present participles in the Greek. Two commands followed by four present participles. And we're dealing with the fourth one today, submitting. I read a statement that said, Every man needs a wife because many things go wrong that he can't blame on the government. A man wrote that. And it was a man who did not read verse 21. So... What I'm going to do with you today is give you four statements that are in your worship folder, four statements about submission that come from the text of the Bible itself in Ephesians. Statement number one, submission is mutual. It's not one-sided. It's not for one person in the relationship. It is mutual. Notice verse 21, submitting to one another in the fear of God Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. 
Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands in everything. And then to the husbands, husbands, love your wives as Christ also loved the church, and the rest is principally given to the husband. One of the great things about Paul is that he was simple. Um, It was Churchill who said, the greatest of all ideas can be expressed simply and often with one word. These are great ideas, and Paul essentially gives husbands and wives simple roles. Notice I did not say easy. Every married couple knows these are not easy roles, but they're simple. He doesn't say, husbands, here's your laborious list. You take out the trash, you clean the garage, you look after the yard, you walk the dog. It just says, husbands, love. That's the word, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Not complex, simple. He didn't say, wives, your job list is such and such, but simply, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. But here in verse 21, we discover that submission is mutual. Now, I'm going to show you something that I hope will blow your mind. Look at verse 22, and it's good to have a copy of the Bible so you can see it for yourself. Verse 22 says, wives, and what's the word that follows wives? Submit. Do you know that that word is not there in the Greek text? It just says, wives, to your own husbands. So the word is in your Bible in the translation because it's implied because of verse 21. So this is how it reads. Verse 21, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Wives, to your own husbands, as to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives. So the point is, every single person in the family relationship is called to be under submission. The principle is verse 21. The examples, and there are four of them, follow it. Wives, husbands, children, parents. All four have roles of submission. For the wives, submit to your husband, verse 22. For the husbands, verse 25, love your wives. For the children, chapter 6, verse 1, obey your parents. For parents, principally fathers, chapter 6, verse 4, don't exasperate your children. All of those are roles of submission in submitting to one another. You get the point? Now, some of you men, the wheels are turning and you're thinking, now, wait, 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 wait. You're saying me, the husband, the head, the man, I'm supposed to submit to my wife? Good going. You got it. You have a keen eye for the obvious. That's exactly what the text is saying. Husbands, you have a role as well to submit to your wives. You go, what what would my role be? Verse 25 is your role and my role. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. You say, what does that have to do with submission? It has everything to do with submission. There's no greater act of submission than the willingness to die for another person. Thus, the cross of Christ, which is the example, is the ultimate example of submission in history. And so, husbands, you love your wives like Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. 
So the point then is that every single person in the home, whether it's a husband or a wife or children or parents, have a certain role of submitting to one another in the fear of God. What does the word mean anyway, submission? The Greek word is hupatasso, hupatasso. It has a military connotation. Don't get stumped by that. It simply means to arrange in order or in file or in rank, to get in order underneath someone else. That's what it means. So the idea is you're willing to relinquish your rights. As I see it, let me give you what I consider the best definition. Submission is the willingness to cooperate with and adapt to the needs of those you love. Submission is the willingness to cooperate with and adapt to the needs of those you love. Wives, do that to your husbands. There's something else I want you to notice, especially men, I want you to notice. It does not say, women, wives, obey your husbands. Now let me finish my thought before you go with that in your minds. It doesn't say that. That would be a different Greek word that Paul does use in this section. When he says, children, chapter 6, verse 1, obey your parents in the Lord. And the word obey is hupakuo. He doesn't use that word. It's also used a few verses down when he says, slaves or servants, be obedient to to your earthly masters. Hupakuo. But for the wife, he doesn't use the word. He uses the word submit, hupatasso, to arrange in order underneath someone else. Here's the point. Wives are not to be treated like children or slaves. They are partners in eternal life. There's a mutuality, but for the function of a family, there must be submission. So when you hear the term submission, it does not imply inferiority or superiority. It implies functionality. Someone has to be the head so that this thing can function properly. That's true in any area of life. But it implies mutuality and it implies functionality. Now... I'd like you to turn to another passage. Keep a marker here. Keep your finger there. And turn back to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Just go left a few blocks. You'll find it. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. It's a great example. Verse 1. You found it? 1 Corinthians 7 verse 1. Now concerning the things of which you wrote to me... It is good for a man not to touch a woman, nevertheless, because of sexual immorality. Let each man have his own wife, and let each woman have her own husband. Do you understand? See how the language infers mutuality. Not one has a person, but both share each other. Verse 3. Let the husband render to the wife the affection due her. And likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. But don't stop there, men. 
Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Both partners then submit because both belong to each other. So submission is the willingness to cooperate with and adapt to the needs of those you love. Here's the big point. Every single person in life and principally in these family relationships has a role of submission. Men, women, children, parents, and get this. Ready? Even Christ is called to submit. I hope that grabbed your attention. I want you to see it in the scripture. You're in 1 Corinthians 7. Go over to 1 Corinthians 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. You'll see how this principle works out and why it's applicable. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 2. Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the traditions just as I delivered them to you. But I want you to know that the head of every man, or husband, in context, every man is Christ, and the head of woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. Now, does that verse mean that Jesus is somehow inferior to God? No, we would be heretics if we stated that. Jesus said, my father and I are one. Paul the apostle said, Jesus was in very nature God. But he didn't have a problem submitting to God the father. That's why Jesus in John 6 said, I didn't come from heaven to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. That's why in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus said, If it's possible, Father, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. So understand from that example, the issue isn't superiority, inferiority. The issue is functionality and order. That is needed in the Godhead, it's needed in human government, it's needed in the military, and it's needed also in marriage. God has arranged certain roles that without taking away the dignity of the individual, relationships can work in order and in unity. When I was a kid, my parents used to watch the show on television, so I am very familiar with it growing up, watching reruns of The Honeymooners. Remember that black and white show of Ralph and Alice crammed in this New York City couple that are getting along? Well, they never did get along. It's a comedy, but um, there's some dicey moments in it. And Ralph Cramden was the head of the home. He said that in every episode. And if Alice's wife said something he didn't like, you know, he'd double up his fist and go, To the moon, Alice. I'm the king of the castle. And then she would say, oh, Ralph, don't start again. And then they would go back and forth. There's a lot of frustrated Ralph Cramdens in marital relationships. You talk back to me 20 push-ups. Submit. And he's thinking, I'm the head. And she's thinking, if you're the head, then I'm the neck that turns the head wherever I want it to go. (laughs) And so there's rivalry and competition and manipulation that sets in. And there's not a mutual submission of a husband loving and a wife arranging in order underneath so that there can be unity. 
So, first off, submission is mutual. Here's the second statement that comes from the text. Submission is provisional. There's provisions attached to the idea of submission. It's not just a blanket statement, submit. It has parameters around it. That is, it has a limited enforcement. Now, I know some of you are already in verse 24 saying, wait, 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 wait. It says, skip, in verse 24, wives are to submit to their husbands in what? Everything. However, every text must be interpreted in the light of its context, what's with and around the text, so that you don't take a verse out of context, look at it in its context. Let's do it together. Look at some of the other words around it, like in verse 21, where it says, submitting to one another, and notice, in the fear, reverence, of God. Look at verse 22, the verse itself, wives, submit to your own husbands, but look, as to the Lord. And then verse 24, as the church is subject to Christ, so let their wives be to their husbands in everything. So that means that the everything here means everything consistent with the character of Christ that is not opposed to his revealed word. This is what it means. If your husband tells you to do something that is not right, don't pray, don't read your Bible, don't go to church, go out and get drunk on the weekend with me, if he would ever say that to you, neglect the kids or whatever it might be, that's opposed to what God told you to do. You don't submit to that. You now appeal to a higher authority that is even over your husband. God never asks a wife in the name of submission to violate his word. Now let me add something to that. God doesn't require a wife to submit to the violent, abusive behavior of a husband that would be out of control in that area. Christianity Today did a study and released an article. And the article was on battered Christian women. Can you imagine even having to do a study on that? Battered Christian women. In the study, and they wrote it out in the article... Two-thirds of these women said it was their Christian responsibility to endure their husband's violence. Fifty-five percent reported that their husbands told them that if they'd be more submissive, the violence would stop. And one-third believed their husbands, thinking that submission was the key to resolving domestic violence, but it was not. Now go back to what you read in the Bible with me moments ago, 1 Corinthians 11. Remember the chain of command, God the Father, Jesus Christ, man, then woman. If that chain is broken, anywhere along the line, God's order is broken. So if Jesus is not the head over the husband, but as the head over the wife, if Jesus uh, isn't over that husband who is giving orders to his wife, if what he says to his wife is contrary to what God has said in his word, the wife must step out of submission to her husband and submit to the Lord. It's a principle found in Acts chapter 5, when a law was passed in Jerusalem for the apostles not to preach the gospel anymore. But now wait a minute, Jesus told them to go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's why Peter said... I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to obey you. We must obey God rather than man. 
That's the principle. Now, I want to caution you wives, just in case when you hear these words, you're thinking, hot diggity dog, I'm free at last. I'm free at last. I do not have to submit to that creep. He's telling me things that aren't biblical, and I'm going to just, no way. Watch your attitude. John Piper wrote these words, and I quote, The husband does not replace Christ as the woman's supreme authority. She must follow her husband's leadership, but she must not follow her husband's leadership into sin. Even where a Christian wife may have to stand with Christ against the sinful will of her husband, she can still have a spirit of submission. She can show by her attitude and behavior that she does not like resisting his will and that she longs for him to forsake his sin and lead in righteousness so that her disposition to honor him as head can again produce harmony. It's that attitude. Boy, I'd love to submit to you, but I can't. I really want to. I would love to see you in obedience to Jesus Christ, but you're not, and you're asking me to do something that would violate that relationship with him, and I can't obey it. Though I'd love to obey you, I just can't do it now. That's what Peter meant when he wrote about submission. In 1 Peter chapter 3, he said, Wives, be submissive to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, that is the truth of the gospel, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. You could lead your husband to Christ by an attitude of submission, even if it resists his will, that's not surrender to Christ. Now let me give you the third principle. Submission is purposeful. Submission is mutual. It's provisional. But it has a goal. It's purposeful. It's not like God says, do what I say just because I said it. He said, do what I say because there's a goal to the role. And it's twofold. Goal number one, women, your submission to your husband will enable his leadership. That's implied in verse 23. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he's the Savior of the body. You know, many women say they long for their husbands to be leaders in the home, but they never let him lead. Could it be? It's not always the case, but could it be that your husband is not a good leader because you're not a good follower? You've got to let go of the rope. You've got to relinquish some control. It could be hard for him to be leader because you're not letting him do that. Remember, leadership implies the relinquishing of control and power to the leader. A wife might think, well, if he'd only do what I say, he'd be a good leader. (laughs) This guy doesn't lead well. He He makes stupid decisions. Be careful. Don't go there. He did choose to ask you to marry him. So I'd probably just push that aside for the moment and forget about his role. Just understand that submission to him might enable him to blossom. It could be that if you step back, and he might struggle at first, that your submission could cause him to rise up and become what he could never be unless you just relinquished. There's a great story about Pete... Flaherty, who was the county commissioner in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He and his wife, Nancy, were on a construction site. They were building something, and he was overlooking 
the management of that. And as they were on the sidewalk looking at the project, one of the construction workers yelled out to his wife, Nancy. He said, Nancy, remember me? We dated in high school. And he hadn't seen her for a long time. And when Pete and Nancy got in the car and drove away, Pete, with a big kind of a proud county commissioner smile, said, aren't you glad you didn't marry him, but you married me? If you'd have married him, you'd be the wife of a construction worker. She smiled and said, sweetheart, if I would have married him, he would have been the county commissioner. (laughs) There's something to that. So often, a man becomes great because a woman has enabled him to do that. And as difficult and risky as it might be, it includes submission. Submission then has a goal. It has a purpose to enable his leadership, to let it grow, but it has a higher purpose. Here's the second one. It points to Christ. In verse 22, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. In other words, you are attaching your relationship on a human level to a higher relationship you have with Jesus. I'm submitting to Him because part of my relationship of submitting to Christ includes that. And then in verse 24, Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let their wives be to their husbands in everything. Go down a few verses. Look at 30. For we are members of His body, that is the church. The metaphor speaks of that, of His flesh and of His bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. Hmm. If I'm reading this correctly, this and other passages, the marriage is to be modeled after redemption. The marriage is to point people heavenward toward Christ and the relationship with us, his people, the church. So that for the husband, his model is the self-sacrificial love of Jesus toward his people by being willing to give his life for them. And the wife is modeled after the church in surrender and submission to Christ. So people should be able to look at our marriage and it should, even if it's dimly, point people to Christ and say, if you want to know the kind of relationship that Jesus has with his people, you look at my marriage. It's modeled after redemption. I'll distill it into this thought and we'll move on. Your marriage is either a symbol of or a denial of Christ and His church. That's the principle. There's no greater ideal for marriage than that it points to Jesus. So that's the purpose. That's the goal. So the role of submission is purposeful. Here's the fourth statement and we'll close. Submission is respectful. It includes respect. Go all the way down to the bottom of the section, which is verse 33 for husbands and wives. And Paul writes, Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. Look at the word respect in verse 33 and look at the word in verse 21, fear. You see that? Two different words, right? In Greek, it's the same exact word. Fear means high esteem or respect or reverence. 
Last century, well, in the 1800s, actually, when um, Queen Victoria was just married to Prince Albert, they had one of their first marital arguments. That'd be interesting, isn't it? A royal family argument. She's the Queen of England, and he's the guy. Not the king, the guy. So they're married, and they have an argument, and Prince Albert walks off, walks away from the argument, goes to a private apartment, locks the door, he's inside. The queen follows, bangs on the door. And Prince Albert says from the inside, Who's there? And she says, It's the queen of England. And she demands entrance. Ooh, how intimidating. He didn't say a word. A few minutes later, she bangs again and says, It's the Queen of England. She demands entrance. He didn't say anything. After a few frustrating moments comes another little meek tap on the door. And he said, Who's there? And she said, It's your wife, Albert. It's your wife. Not the queen. I realize I'm your wife. What's the moral of the story? It could be, wives, if you want your husbands to treat you like a queen, give them a little respect. Respect them. Do you respect your husbands? Do you act respectfully toward them or disrespectfully? You may be thinking, well, I got some room to grow in that area. When your husband says something, Do you immediately have a comeback? Or do you roll your eyes? You can see it, can't you, in a dynamic of a husband and wife. He says something and she rolls her eyes or she goes... (laughs) Can I just say, that's not respect. That's disrespect. Part of submission is to respect the position. You know, Jesus Christ, I believe, has told me to do things I didn't like when He told me to do them. I didn't agree with what He told me to do. But out of respect, I surrendered. That's that's the Christian life. It's the married life. God the Father, Jesus Christ, the husband, the wife, all in surrender and submission. Here's a closing thought. Can you learn respect? Can you build respect in a marriage? Yes, you can. And here's how. Wives, Find the things your husband is doing right and encourage him. Thank him. Acknowledge him. Find the things he's doing right. Now, you might be thinking, I really have to dig pretty deep. Okay, whatever. But that's a biblical principle. In Philippians 4, Paul writes, Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if there's anything excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. So gals, if you were to keep a journal, and if that just means your little phone or your iPad, and you write down or you acknowledge when you find that your husband does something right, you thank him, you encourage him. You send him a text. You send him an email. A husband and wife got up one morning, sat at breakfast with each other, and um, the wife turned toward her husband and gave one of those smiles. She said, 
you don't know what today is, do you? And he said, yes, I do. Really defensively and immediately. Yes, I do. And it was time after breakfast for him to go off to the office. So he went off to the office. At 10 o'clock in the morning, there was a knock on her door. And someone delivered the flower shop several long stem red roses. At 1 o'clock in the afternoon, another knock came on the door. This time it was a two-pound box of choice chocolates. In the early afternoon, another knock came on the door. The boutique showed up with a designer dress for that gal. She was beside herself, could not wait for her husband to come home. Husband walked in the door. She flung her arms around him and she said, Oh, sweetheart, I've been waiting for you to come home. First the flowers, then the chocolates, and then the dress. Honey, I've never had a more wonderful Groundhog's Day in all my life. Okay, so he didn't remember what day it was. That's pretty good for Groundhog's Day, wouldn't you say? It's a great response. Whether it's your anniversary and he treats you like that, or he just wants to do it on Groundhog's Day, great. Women, can I say a final word? It is not your job to change your husband. That's God's job. You're going, it's not? I I really always thought that was my job. It's not your job. Ruth Graham was famous for saying, the late wife of Dr. Billy Graham, my job is to love Billy. It's God's job to change Billy. She lived by that. She prayed for her husband. She encouraged her husband. But it's God's job to change him. Father, we know the value of encouragement. All of us do. We know what it feels like when somebody says to us, you did a good job, or you're pretty wonderful, or I really like this about you, or that really helped me. It's a wonderful trait that goes along with another trait that Paul spoke so often about, and that is thanksgiving, to be thankful. And I pray that these attitudes would permeate our relationships, that we as your people, especially as married couples, would lubricate the gears of the marriage machine by a thankful, respectful, encouraging submission to one another. As wives, arranging herself underneath the headship of her husband, as a husband aligning himself under the headship of Christ. Even as in the Trinity, Christ does with you, Father. It's a wonderful example for us. And as you have given to us Jesus as husbands to emulate and the church as wives to emulate so that there be no anarchy, but that there there be unity and functionality. You've given us these roles. Help us to embrace them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this service from Calvary of Albuquerque. If you would like more information about what you've heard in this message or about Calvary of Albuquerque, please visit our website at www.calvaryabq.org. If you have made a decision to follow Christ or would like someone to pray for you, please leave a message with our prayer watch line at 505-344-3658. Thank you and God bless.